Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, coming at you live on Sunday, June 6th here. Uh, Pretty interesting week in baseball. Um, Pretty good games going on this weekend with the Dodgers and the Braves, and then also tonight with the Yankees and the Red Sox as they kind of sum up that uh, historic and great rivalry. But on today's show, uh, me and Alex, of course, are going to talk about the pitching side of the week, you know, big names, big arms out there that are just dominating on the mound. Um, We also want to cover kind of the home run race right now that we're seeing. Um, We're getting a pretty interesting race, not quite like the Maguire-Sosa race, but, you know, very nice to see not only two players, but also a couple of other players and to be also very impressed young players doing what they're doing. Um, We'll get a a little deeper in that. Um, Also go over uh, our new power rankings, actually. You know, we've, we've had about two months of the season. Uh, about almost one third of the season is pretty much done and over with. And we kind of want to talk with, you know, what teams are rounding about in our top 10 and then finish off, of course, with some uh, angels talk. I think we haven't talked for the past two weeks about that, but just going over some of the stuff because um, they're kind of red hot. They're kind of sneaky hot right now. But I we'll, like what I'm seeing, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But first, you know, I want to talk about uh, one guy who uh, has made his return past three starts have just been dominant. And that is Mr. Jacob deGrom. Alex, I know you have some stats to talk about. Carry it away. Yeah, so uh, thanks for, for segueing in perfectly. So yeah, Jacob deGrom, a guy who we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, maybe some of you are sick of hearing it, but honestly, it seems like every outing he has, he continues to add to this legendary start to the season. He's really gone from like, okay, this is an elite start to like, this is simply like historic. So um, this is actually from a tweet from uh, Jeff Passan, at Jeff Passan on Twitter. Uh, one of the biggest names in baseball reporting, but he actually kind of laid he's out. The, he's the woge of the of the baseball r- world, right? He he's dr- passing bombs is what he drops. Absolutely, and so he uh he sort of did a comparison with Degrom's start to the season, comparing that with the first nine starts of Bob Gibson's legendary 1968 uh, Cy Young win, which was also the lowest ERA in a single season in the modern era, and then compare that also with Pedro Martinez's. 2000, which was uh, uh, also a Cy, Young, uh, a Cy Young performance by him. And in my opinion, like one of the greatest seasons ever, he had, uh, I think, one of the highest ERA pluses of the modern era. And that was, you know, he had a crazy low ERA and it was in the steroid era, which would make it so impressive. Anyways, so DeGrom uh, essentially is being compared to these two legendary seasons, Travis. Um, so I'm going to run through it briefly. So through nine starts, DeGrom is at 58 innings pitched. He's only allowed 25 hits, only eight walks with 93 strikeouts. That's 93 strikeouts through 58 innings. And it's only three home runs allowed, and it's a .62 ERA. So a .62 ERA through nine starts. Bob Gibson, in this is the season where the ERA record was set and broken, and it's lasted this long. Mm-hmm. He had a 1.34 ERA through nine starts. He had 80 innings pitched, which is much more than DeGrom, but that's sort of an era thing because relievers weren't used nearly as much back then. 
and then uh, he allowed almost he allowed over double the hits. Bob Gibson allowed fifty four hits and twenty walks, so over double the hits, over double the walks, and about half the strikeouts, fifty seven strikeouts to the Grums ninety three, and then obviously like I said that one point three four ERA. So Bob Gibson, one of the best seasons of all time. Some people say the best season of all time. And DeGrom is so far beating it so far. Uh, you know, a lot of games left to be pitched, but it just kind of shows you in context how good DeGrom has been. And then compared to this Pedro season in 2000, uh, remember this is the steroid era when he threw this, uh, which kind of sort of adds to the impressiveness. But in that, in that, uh, in that season, Pedro threw 68.1 innings pitched through, through nine starts, 40 hits allowed, 14 walks, uh, 95 Ks. So that's actually, that's actually more than DeGrom. And uh, three homers allowed, 1.19 ERA. So the big thing that stands out, Travis, is that DeGrom has a lower ERA than those two guys through nine starts. And we're talking about the lowest ERA season ever, and then one of the best ERA plus seasons ever in the steroid era. So what do you kind of make of this context I'm kind of providing, Travis? Like, what do you think of this DeGrom start to the season? Yeah, it was a very good tweet because, like, me and you, we've we've had some very big debates on that 90, 1968 season and the 2000 season with Pedro. Right. Two of the best seasons. We can definitely agree on two of the best pitching seasons of all time. No one really comes close. Uh, but what DeGrom's doing right now with you know the ERA being below a .7 on the season, right. I mean, it's just incredible to see what he's doing every single night. Um, and even his last start, I want to highlight his last start because it was against probably one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball in the San Diego Padres right. um, against one of the hottest hitters in Fernando Tatis Jr. He went seven innings in that ball game, only allowing three hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts in that game. I mean, just he's, just, he's just fooling some of the best batters uh, in in baseball right now. And I, I look back at his last two starts, uh, six innings against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and then, of course, seven against the Padres. And it's it's just insane that in those last two starts, 13 innings pitched, only five hits given up, 19 strikeouts, and only one walk. Mm-hmm. Not allowing the walk. He's yeah. almost he's almost like a Corbin Burns and a Brandon Woodruff put into one person right now. And so he's being very, very good when not allowing walks and hits, as well as also striking out a ton of batters. Yeah. Um I, I, we're we're seeing we're seeing just someone who's just better than elite. Yeah. So, someone that is on a is on a pedestal of his own right now. I, I guess to add some further context to like to the Bob Gibson season as well as the Pedro Martinez season, you can look at like through the first nine games, some of like the rate based stats. So you're looking at like per nine stats. So DeGrom has the fewest innings pitched per nine and that's just kind of a, a statement about the league we're in today. It's very bullpen heavy, relief heavy. Back in back in uh nineteen sixty eight, Bob Gibson was throwing nine point eight Sorry, 8.96 innings pitched per start. So pretty much that means he was going nine every time. Occasionally maybe gets out after eight maybe and uh, lets the bullpen get a a close. But uh, the Grom essentially has a better hits per nine, a better K per nine, and uh, more homers per nine, but a better better hit per nine, a better K per nine, and a better walk per nine than Gibson or uh, Pedro, which is just like... uh, you know, maybe some of this is due to the, this dead and ball this year, and maybe that's helping Degrom a bit. But just seeing the way he's dominating in both some of the counting stats as well as the rate-based stats, it just really kind of shows how incredible he's been. Uh, we just had to kind of mention this, Travis, to start off the pod because it's it's really incredible. And what is also incredible with him as well is that he's also pitching. He's also batting three ninety one. Right. Yeah. Three ninety one average. Three ninety one on base and a four thirty five slugging. That puts you at an eight twenty six OPS. 
Um, I mean, we, we've seen highlights of this guy now. It's not, you know, Shohei Otani's almost got a little bit of competition, not with the power side, but it's just funny that DeGrom, you know, we all know how dominant he is on the mound when he comes in and steps into the plate. He's also a force to be reckoned with there. He, he's, he's getting hits. He's getting doubles. Right. Um, it, it just, it, it's incredible how, how much of a natural this guy is when it comes also to hitting, also to pitching. Um, well, and it's just, incredible. One of the funny things I saw on Twitter actually was, you know, the Mets are dealing with some injuries. They've mm-hmm. had uh, Pete Alonso out missing some time. I mean, if you look at their lineup, it's just not what you saw at the beginning of the year coming exactly, into it. Exactly. There have been injuries. And so at one point it looked kind of like, you know, a, a really kind of ragtag group. And someone made a tweet saying it was, it was a, it was a DeGrom start. And someone said, DeGrom has an argument that he bet in fifth tonight. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just slide him up the, slide him up the list and let all those kind of replacement bench guys bet below him but yep. you know it's just kind of just kind of funny it pretty much a joke but you know there's a bit of seriousness to it just based on looking at his numbers there is and i remember um you know a couple years ago i know one good hitting pitcher uh was madison bumgarner and i remember one game the um the giants were playing i think they're playing the oakland a's in oakland so it was an al ballpark where the dh was able to be able to be implemented and i remember that night madison bumgarner wasn't starting but they actually dh'd him and they bat him in the five or six hole and i remember his first <laughs> yeah. ab i think he got like a double and it's just like these guys are doing it all i mean of course we we never thought there'd be a guy this good and then of course shohei otani comes to the mlb and we're just right. like blown just away changes everyone's expectations but for a, but you're a right pitcher, yeah. for how dominant Degrom is on the mound to be batting 391 to actually be that nine hole like slap hitter it's, yeah. ju- it's just insane because i mean i would be so happy if i was the one or two batter because now you got someone on base you can easily gap it and possibly score him or if you get a home run you get a couple rbis added to your total but yeah, I mean, we're just watching a freak in Jacob DeGrom. Um, I think we said this earlier in the podcast or earlier in the year. He's he's a Hall of Famer, but he's also elevating himself to be just kind of that above status Hall of Famer um, when yeah. it comes to the pitching side. There, there's only so many guys that get to this level, but DeGrom is just doing insane things. Yeah, yeah. right now, currently, he's first in the MLB in ERA, first in uh, strikeouts per nine, first in whip, first in opponent batting average first in strikeouts per walk and first in average fastball velocity, which is uh, first among starting pitchers. Uh, what can't get the guy to do, honestly? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we summed it up. But yeah, uh, m- more or less, guys, If <laughs> I don't think this is the case, but if Jacob DeGrom is somehow available in your fantasy league, I would trade for him. He's been pretty good for <laughs> me, I'll say that. But uh, Travis, well, where, should we, where should we go next? What do you think? Uh, let's talk about something that probably Jacob DeGrom hates is home runs. <laughs> we'll right. talk about the home run race sure, right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing a very, just a very exciting, a very young, um, home run leader race right now. As, as we look at 2021 right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is leading MLB with 18 home runs. Um, but right on him, you know, actually looking at the stat line, the the top three are all juniors, right? You got Tatis Jr. You got Acuna Jr. So Tatis and Acuna Jr. Both have 17 home runs and are right on Guerrero. We've seen the past couple of days. Um, MLB posting on Instagram or Twitter where, you know, Tatis takes over the home run lead and then you got Acuna. But then, of course, Guerrero hits two home runs in a game and we're just like, oh, my goodness, like these guys are just not stopping. They're just they just keep on going. And then, of course, right behind them in si- at 16, you have Adolis Garcia, the rookie for the Rangers, who's just been a very bright spite spot for that that Rangers lineup. Yeah. And then, of course, can't forget Shohei Otani's right there behind it. He had a home run last night. And with him, I mean, all guys that are really bursting onto the scene. You know, Tatis and Acuna have been around for a couple of years here, but all these guys are essentially fresh faces to the league, exactly, more or yep. less. And uh, Travis, I think it, it, I think we should just have a little, a little, a quick little chit chat about 
some of these, uh, I guess, young players, specifically focusing on like this three-man race we're seeing between Acuna, the juniors, Vlad Guerrero, right, and uh, and Fernando Tatis. So, uh, you mentioned in, in uh, you mentioned earlier that you know it's a it's a home run race. It's 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 unlike it's unlike that of of Maguire and Sosa because that's like sort of a two-man race, and yep. they're both like these veterans who are you know obviously steroids was a factor there. Yeah, but we're talking about veterans who were established all stars and like they had like you know. Uh, they were established, I'd say. And then now we're talking about these just fresh faces that are taking over the league by storm. These are guys who are Travis. They're like, they're like our age or younger than us. Yeah. And they're, and they're which is... Makes which you is, think, what, what the hell are we doing with our life? Right. <laughs> we're, we're, in, we're, in my, we're in my back room recording a podcast. But, uh, you know, th- th- these guys are absolutely killing it. And uh, I guess it just kind of demands us to, you know, to have a little chat about, like I guess, the future of baseball. Like, these three guys have a very good chance of taking over the league. I think going into this season... A lot of people would say Acuna and Tatis are like on that fast track to yep. being like, you know, superstars, like top three players for like a decade, you'd yep. say. But yep. I think Vlad Guerrero, Travis, right now, he's actually currently, as of I believe yesterday, I, I'm not sure if it's still the case. I think as of yesterday, he was the leader in all three Triple Crown categories. He was yep. the batting champion in the American League. He had the most homers as well as the most RBIs. So yeah. just yeah. thinking about that, like this guy is in there. He's in their in their uh, in their tier now. He is he is established. He's not the same uh, five tool kind of guy because he's a first baseman, but his bat is just as good, if not you know maybe it's even better contact wise. And uh, he he's he's been he's just been unreal. So I guess kind of Charles, what do you think about like the future of baseball being in these three guys' hands? Yeah, and I will say with Vladdy, it's it's crazy when you go on a baseball reference and you look at you know you look at bold and also italicized numbers because that means yeah. they're leading in the league and also yeah. MLB. And you look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It is bold and is italicized throughout the stat line. Yeah. I mean, batting average, on base, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, total bases, home runs, RBIs. Um, there's nothing this guy can't do at the plate. Um, now, what I will say about Tatis Jr. and Acuna Jr., they are superstars, in my opinion, because they are they're good at almost everything they do on the baseball field. Yeah. Vlad Guerrero, you know, he plays good first base, but I'm, I'm not going to say he's a complete and total athlete. He's not going to be that five-tool guy like a Mookie Betts or like a Mike Trout. Um, but Acuna Jr. and also Tatis Jr., those two guys are complete studs at all areas of the field. Um, I, I, I mean, I, mean I, I really do think that all three of these guys could hit 50 home runs this year. I'm not saying one of them's going to drop off. Um, if I, you know, of course, out of all of them, I would say maybe Adolis Garcia might drop off a little bit. You know, I know right now, right now he's at 16, but all three of these guys are just bursting onto the scene um, with just the amount of youth they're bringing. So it, it's just very, very, you know, it's very awesome to see this kind of stuff, especially guys that are younger than us, Alex. And, yeah. um, you know, we're 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 playing in an age where you know the young the young kids kind of ruling the game right now and so um but anything you know add on that with uh yeah. with Guerrero and those guys yeah I, I guess something else I'd note is you know we talk about how Acuna and Tatis are more in the five tool player kind of archetype um they are stealing more bags they make flashy plays on defense even though the defensive war for Tatis might not be great and making a lot of errors and stuff but um uh, neither here nor there. Uh, essentially, they're both. You know, you view him in the five-tool player lens. Whereas Guerrero, you would not do that, right, Travis? You would say, okay, he's a slugger. He plays first, not flashing the glove, not stealing a lot of bags. But Travis, his actual baseball reference WAR uh, is actually second behind Max Muncy for highest in the league. He, it's almost like a saying his bat makes up for his lack of base running 
and his uh and his uh lack of defense. And he's playing first base, which means also you're gonna take a hit in defensive war. So I I just kind of want to point out that you know I don't want to get trapped in this whole thing of we're like okay Guerrero Jr. he's a great hitter, but so are Tatis and Acuna, and they're doing more. Tatis and Tatis and Acuna play defense in harder positions, and they are running the bases and stealing bags. Well, I, I just kind of want to remind you guys that okay somehow those great hitters are still uh, losing out to Guerrero because his bat is just that good in terms of helping his war. So just kind of interesting to kind of point that out, how like Guerrero's bat essentially carrying him to make his value being this, this the second best in baseball behind behind Max Muncy currently. So just kind of interesting to point out. Yeah, and one thing I'll do, I'll point out with uh, with Tatis that is just like, it's so impressive is, uh, you know, what we talked about last week. I think you mentioned right now he's leading in, um, well, at least leading the NL in home runs and in stolen bases. 17 mm-hmm. homers, 13 stolen bases. Um, I mean, we, I don't, I don't believe we have not seen another shortstop put up a 30, 30 season since I believe 1996. And that was Barry Larkin, um, for the Cincinnati Reds. He put up a 30 home run, 30 stolen base season as a shortstop. Um, we, I, I, we're, I think we have a very good chance to see a 30, 30 season out of Tatis. We honestly could be possibly seeing a 40 40 season right. for him as well and i think looking back the only last player to do that that was a middle infielder the last person to do that was i think alfonso soriano in 2006 with the nationals put up a very insane stolen base and home run um totals those years but just to provide that the home run power and also the speed on the bases it, it really just provides the you know the, the average viewer the the fans the, the the media it just it just provides them that this guy is you know hitting for power he's he's a he's a big power hitter but also this guy is just lightning fast speed you know it, it honestly puts that five tools into perspective that they're putting you know these two kind of pretty pretty cool and important stats into one and i mean we're not yeah. seeing this kind of stuff at all and of course right now too leading mlb in slugging at 695 almost a 700 slugging when you start talking about 700 slugging I mean, you got to go back, to, of course, to Barry Bonds. But if you're not talking at least like steroid era, you got to go back to Babe Ruth days. You got to go back to Lou Gehrig. Those kind of those kind of days were right. Slugging the percentages, legends of the of the 30s, 40s, 50s, that kind of. And thing. especially him being a shortstop, it is just. I mean, that right. part of it is what makes it so insane. The 695 as a shortstop. Yeah, yeah. So talking about Tatis, I think the best comparison really is like young A Rod. A lot mm-hmm. of people kind of draw yep. that comparison. Arrowhead actually did have a 40-40 season with the uh, with the Mariners. Okay. And so that uh it, it, it's interesting that I believe the first 40-40 season was uh Jose Canseco and he won the MVP. That's right. And no one that's gotten a 40-40 since has won the MVP, which is just kind of funny. It's like mm-hmm. if Tatis or Acuña did it, would it really give them a bunch of bo- uh, boost in votes? You would think so, but for some reason voters, you know, voters haven't given it too much credit uh, rec- uh you know, in the recent times that it's happened, but yeah, in the 90s uh uh for Seattle, he did have a 40 40 season and for a shortstop to do that um I f- it really feels like Tatis and uh and uh, A-Rod are the only two guys even like in that conversation like it feels like in terms of com- combining speed with power as well as you know you're playing the you know one of the hardest probably the hardest defensive position uh you know excluding maybe catcher but uh yeah it, it's truly incredible what, what Tatis is doing on the, on the ball field and uh drawing comparisons to a great like A-Rod uh just kind of you know puts him in that in that special class kind of above a lot of others so just seeing these young guys uh, sort of make the name for themselves. And, you know, like we said, Tatis, Acuna, Guerrero, leading the home run race. 
just seeing these three young guys sort of like lead the charge here uh, this season, leading in, in so many stats, and we know it's going to continue based on, you know, just how well they're playing. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do this season. Yeah, and, you know, and pointing out to Acuna, you know, being a center fielder too, you know, not many center fielders with those kind of hitting numbers. You know, you're, you're looking at Mike Trout, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, that kind of, you know, center fielders that are putting up those speed and power numbers. So he's providing that sort of perspective for fans as well. And so um, really, really cool to see these two guys. You're looking at Sosa and Maguire back in 98. You know, they're probably not flashing the leather too much. I know Maguire was playing some first base. Yeah. And so he was kind of like the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I know Sosa was playing, I think he was either right or left field, but was not a center fielder. Had a good arm and, and, and you know, was a good defender. But, you know, he's not putting up Acuna, you know, defensive numbers. And Tatis is a shortstop. You right. know, no shortstop besides probably Miguel Tejada back then yeah. was, you know, putting up insane power numbers. But, um, it's it's just insane that we're that we're looking at you know these three different players and honestly all three guys it's really cool to see you know a first baseman a middle infielder and then of course a center fielder we're getting kind of three completely different positions yeah you know put on the same spectrum for and it home seems runs like, it seems like they could be leading their positions going into the rest of the decade so it will be and it'll be interesting it's because super, because super with uh with tatis and with acuna being in the same league it's going to be a very interesting mvp race i think right now those two are definitely you know leading the charge leading yeah the charge right with there that. with the grom honestly which it, we already covered yeah exactly exactly and then probably a couple other guys that are right there as well but won't be right there probably for very long yeah. these kind of guys will stay there consistently and then of course guerrero um, we talked to this last week. I think it's just right now it's him and Otani. Right now the AL is kind of an interesting league because there's not too many huge offensive, uh, you know, names right now that I would right. point out. With, with Buxton and Trout missing time, it feels like the race is really narrowed down to Otani and Guerrero, exactly. one and two in some order. And you know, it will be a shame because you know one of those guys is going to win the MVP if it's either Otani or Guerrero. And the other guys, it's going to be kind of like, you know, you might never see this again from Otani. So that's why I see some voters saying we got to give it to Otani because we are seeing something insanely special and unique. And then you'll say, well, Guerrero had an insane year. Yeah, yeah. what if he gets triple crown? Exactly. That's going to make the voters really have and to that, scratch And that's their a good heads. thing you point out because that will make the voters lose sleep at night because that will be something that they will have to think about. Yeah. You will not triple, be giving... Triple crown first baseman versus a guy who's... An all-star for pitching and hitting. You know, it'd be great if Otani if Otani has an ERA below three and he has forty home runs. That that would be. Yeah. I don't want to imagine versus a triple crown winner. (laughs) I can't imagine that voting right there. I mean, that would be insanely hard to do. But um, we'll see where this kind of leads off to. But um, but Alex, actually, I want to ask you a question um, that kind of just prepared for the past couple hours. But this week, you know, we rounded out. It was uh, Lou Gehrig week. Yeah. Um, ALS week, kind of in baseball, Lou Gehrig, an icon in the sport. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've had this conversation with you a couple of times, but basically I just kind of wanted to say, you know, first off, you know, where you see Lou Gehrig on the all-time list. Yeah. You know, all-time starting nine. I'm pretty sure we'll have an episode later on in the year. We'll have our all-time starting nine. We'll have an all-time, you know, oh, yeah. Yankees team and all, t- all this stuff. But where do you see Lou Gehrig on all-time starting nine? Where do you see him on, let's just say, you know, a Yankees Mount Rushmore? You know, yeah. he is an icon in the game, an icon for the New York Yankees. But I'll let you answer that. Yeah, so a great question. So I, I think for me personally, he has to be my starting first baseman on my all-time team. We, we've had this conversation before, Travis, where, you know, we'll kind of look at Albert a bit. Uh, I know you, I mean... I I, I, I I looked I'll, at Albert a lot. I, I'll let I'll let you talk about Albert when I, when I swing it back to you because mm-hmm. I know you know his first eleven years are just like you 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 know you rave about it and and for <laughs> and, and for good reason for, mm-hmm. for good reason. So 
Uh, obviously, you're looking at Albert, and then the other guy you have to really look at is is Jimmy Fox. I feel like Jimmy Fox double X. Uh, it was almost like the right-handed AL equivalent of mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig during mm-hmm. the same era. Mm-hmm. A lot of the numbers are super comparable, but I just think that the incredible, I guess, uh, you know, on base and slugging numbers, as well as batting average for Lou Gehrig, he his slash lines were just really unreal for over a decade. Um, and Travis, it just is just so unfortunate looking at his career totals and saying just kind of what could have been. Because mm-hmm. he was just so red hot up until I believe his age thirty five or thirty six season, and then he has a down year, and everyone's like, "Oh, like you know, I want, I really wonder what the discourse was back in the time." But I can only no assu- no Twitter, no media. You, know, <laughs> I, you I had can, newspaper and radio. I can only assume the newspapers were saying, "Oh, well, I guess Gary has kind of fallen off a bit this season," and come to find out, he had ALS, of course. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if he was never, if he never, you know, was diagnosed with it, with that deceit, with that disease, uh, unfortunate. What what could his career have been? Obviously, he was on pace for 500 home runs. He was in the uh, high 400s, 490s, I believe, right? Yes, 493, so seven away. And yeah, obviously, with um, one, one more healthy year, and he's there. But yeah. but he had several healthy years in front of him. I know he did, if he just did, was not diagnosed with ALS. Uh, so it's so sad to see, uh, I guess, what his career, you know, where he could have ended up in the history books. Um, but if you, I mean, I, I didn't, <laughs> I was going to say if you watched him play. Obviously, I never watched him play, but... Looking at his numbers, and I'm sure if you were if you were there to watch, you would have no denying that you know, uh, even though he doesn't have the counting stats of like an Ira Pools or even he's even below Jimmy Fox in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Just looking at the average stats, like the average, the on base, the slugging, the OPS plus numbers, I do think he's like a top five hitter of all time. I think he's up there with he's he's right behind Ruth. Um, he's sec- he's kind of Babe Ruth, uh, Babe Ruth light almost playing first base. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really it, it kind of is funny because you you definitely could be a counting stats guy or you could be more of a percentage stats guy right you know, i think you look at hitters too willie mays as being one of the all-time greatest hitters of all time yeah mantle yeah um yeah, yeah. mays and aaron are kind of in that group for like bonds you gotta say counting stat guys mantles i think mantle and williams are guys who i think are like some of the greatest hitters ever and they're yeah. more and they're more yeah. in like the uh average base the percentage base stats yeah just because some of their peak years are just so unreal. But I think Garrett, yeah, he has to get to kind of look at them through this like percentage based lens because he didn't have the opportunity to accumulate as many counting stats as Fox, uh, Pujols, even, even, yeah. even his teammate Ruth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess, I guess to put a cherry on it, uh, I do think Garrett is like a top five hitter for me of all time. He's up there with Williams and Ruth amongst others and, and so and starting in on your on your uh, starting nine he would be best first baseman of all time and then you also mentioned like I'm Mount Rushmore for the Yankees he has he just has to yeah, be on it yeah, I think he yeah. and Ruth are him, have him to, and Ruth are they have are to they be the dynasty, one the, yeah. the one two punch mm-hmm, yeah just mm-hmm. what they did in the 20s and the 30s like I really just sort of established the Yankees as like the premier team of Major League Baseball um I think there's no way around it to have him as my number one if, if you look at like the top seasons of all time by like OPS plus, you're gonna see at the top it's all Bonds and it's all Ruth, and then you get to the next tier down and it's all like Williams and Garrig and like as a mantle year in there too. And but it really shows how impressive Garrig uh, was, uh, just in, in terms of his his peak years are just like untouchable. Honestly, no, especially. And I saw something actually this week during Lou Garrig week that was really interesting. And um, Lou Garrig in 1927, 52 doubles and 47 uh, home runs. He had 173 RBIs that year, 173. I mean, we only have a couple guys once a year, you know, will reach 130, maybe 140. I think a couple years, Big Poppy in 2005 or six had 150 RBIs, but he had 173 RBIs, Alex. And, you know, he was batting behind Babe Ruth. Right. He's batting behind 60 home runs, I believe, that season. He's batting behind a guy 
who's okay. clearing the bases or, yeah. you know, getting walked or something like that. But it, it's it, it's just insane. That 1927 Yankees lineup, people say, of course, Murder's Row, best team ever to be ever organized. And honestly, you look at that and you say, I mean, how do you get these two lefties out? You have Babe Ruth, who was just above a human being. And then you also had Lou Gehrig, who was just going to, if you were going to walk Babe Ruth, doesn't matter. He's either going to gap it or he's going to hit it out. He, and he's just going to be a ribby machine. Um, yeah, it's tra- just insane yeah, to see. Charles, that, that 27 season, I'm glad you brought it up because that was Gehrig's MVP year. Mm-hmm. One of two, I believe, <laughs> yep, if, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So yeah, Ruth bats before Gehrig. Babe Ruth that year hits 60 homers. That year he bats 356 and he has himself 165 RBIs. And, just and the guy behind him breaks the record all time for AL RBIs, and it's still a record to this day. That would be so a Charles, team stat ever to have back-to-back players 165-plus RBIs each guy. I mean, that's How does insane. your cleanup hitter get 173 RBIs when the guy in front of him has 165? The guy's clearing the bases in front of him every time he's at bat, and you're you, still going to get 170. Uh, how it, it, you, It's just not even comprehensible. Yeah. Like you can't even look at that through today's lens because that can never possibly happen again. That level of offensive output is just like, it, it, it just it, it just kind of shows how the game is just... It's it, almost it, indescribable, too. You right. look at some of these, like, it's almost back in the 20s, I think, in back in these early days, you almost had, like, mythological creatures. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Yeah, it's really, like, it's almost like just, Hercules. Like, it, it, you just, you don't, God, you don't know how man. to explain it, but, you know, I want to point that out because, you know, I was a big, actually, you know, this week, actually, I admitted to you because I was a huge Our Pujols guy. I was 2001 to 2011 Our Pujols was, for me... I was, I mean, I was like, this is the best first baseman of all time, I, I, I thought. Because you look at those first, I think it's 10 or 11 years, 445 home runs. That's only about 40 home runs away from Garrick's career. Right. He had that in, in, in the his, first 10 years yep. of his first 10 to 11 seasons, he had that. So I was just blown away by that. The Ribbies, he had 1329 RBIs in that 10 years. I think Garrick only had 1500 RBIs. So it's just like... He almost put up some of these stats in the first 10 years than Gehrig did in his whole entire career. I think Gehrig still played 17 seasons. Um, batting average at 325, not as good, but I'm not really going to shame him for that because, of course, bat, batting thing. averages back then were just, I mean, they were insane. 350 was like a good hitter. Now yeah. that'd be like, you have the batting title, you are an elite yeah. hitter. Yeah. Um, and a 420 on base, a 617 um, slugging, that puts you at about a 1,037 uh, OPS. But... I mean, I was just insanely blown by Pujols. And then, of course, this past week, you know, you kind of get, you know, you get some knowledge kind of put on you and you, you get to learn a little bit. But I think that one thing I think I told you a couple of days ago, the one thing that just really stood out was that, you know, you look at the first 10 years of Pujols and you look at, of course, maybe the first 10 years of Gehrig. They're very similar. They're probably a little bit better for Gehrig, but they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that really jumped out to me is, of course, you look at the, the last 10 years of Pujols and me and you have talked about that too much. I mean the last 10 years of pools have been just a headache. Yeah. It's, it's been rough as an angels fan. It's just really not what we were hoping for when we signed him. Obviously Garrick, I feel like never had that level of a, you know, a letdown I'd say. Mm -hmm. And then just the whole, the whole tragedy of, of the ALS diagnosis and then the legendary, like Mike dropped to his career with the greatest, luckiest man in the world speech. Exactly. Um, I think just sort of a, you know, not, not only a Hall of Fame player, but just a legendary, it's a legendary def- man himself. It's definitely, if you had to make like a two-minute video of baseball, and it would be on there. It'd be the yeah. Lou Gehrig speech. But, yeah. you know, what really pointed, you know, what really just struck me was that, you know, in 1938, 
that was his um, last full season for baseball. And, you know, I didn't really know that he was actually, I knew he had ALS and he was, he was struggling with it, but I actually didn't know that he was, you know, fully playing a season with ALS. Right. And I mean, probably ALS, against his knowledge. ALS is time. just it, what it does. Of course, if it, I mean, most people know, but it, it just deteriorates and destroys all muscles. And, you know, your, your, your head and your, and your brain still there, but your muscles just are, are dying. And that last season still putting up 29 home runs, 29 home runs with right. 114 RBIs. And 107 walks, a 295 average, and I guarantee baseball writers were like 295 average. This guy, this guy's what's going on? What's yeah. going? And of course, I mean, a 410 on base and a 523 slugging. I mean, it's just insane to say that this season he was dying a little bit more every month, and he's still putting up a season today that would probably be a top five MVP. And yeah. it's it's just insane. And that was kind of something that I did not realize and knew about and i think seeing that i was just like hats you know off what? to him yeah he, hats off he he actually to me is the he's the greatest of all time when it comes to first base and because age 35 and he's doing that i mean you, you you can't even you can't even really think and you know it, it's just indescribable it's just insane to see all that kind of stuff the numbers he put up and then he went out there for his 1939 season at age 36 tried to at least do one more season only played eight games and then i think they said that he actually took himself out of the lineup he actually told the the owner and the manager of the yankees i'm not playing anymore i'm only hurting my team took himself out of the lineup and then of course had year a couple more years of just you know yeah the, the I, sickness and then and then and then passed away i think in 41 but i mean that 38th season will of course be in my opinion will be one of the most impressive seasons just because you are you are dying and you are still putting up those numbers i mean and and, Insane. and uh, all this praise to Garrick we're giving tra- we're giving uh, we're giving to him Travis and we didn't even mention the fact that you know the iron horse legacy yeah. and the, not missing a single game playing day in and day out for you know uh, over two thousand straight games a record that stood the test of time all the way till the nineties until uh, you know obviously Cal Ripken just was another legend in in his own right um, but Garrick having that record for so long and no one really getting close for for 50, for over fifty years for you know sixty years about yeah. Um, it's just just so incredible, and so yeah, I think we did a lot of justice to 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 him. I'm glad the league kind of takes the day to commemorate that yeah. legacy that he left behind. Uh, I know he gets considered to be like a great man, like very humble, mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. bragging. Sort of an almost a kind of an opposite, kind of a, a foil to Ruth in the way where yep. Ruth was yep. like larger than life. Garrig was like almost just a step below, just right there, almost as good of a, of a yeah. hitter, as good of a player. Uh, but you know. Uh, Give the credit to his teammates and the organization, uh, the Yankees, and so yeah, uh, I'm glad we got we got to discuss him today and uh, go over, I guess, what we thought of his career. So I think we can wrap that up now and move on to our next topic, Travis. That being our top ten teams in baseball right now, we have both created a top ten power rankings uh, for what we've seen in these first couple months here, Travis. Uh, some teams are hot, some teams are not. Our lists have really transformed as as we've made them throughout the weeks so far on this podcast, Travis. Some teams will be in the top three, and the next week they'll be off the list. I don't and think so, I have the Kansas City Royals on my top ten anymore. Right, they were they, <laughs> they they were flirting the top five for a good month and a half, and not, I'm glad that we you know we've moved on from that. But right, that was a perfect. Like, like perfect, I said, the, the BS has cleared. It's cleared. So we're we're finally getting into the teams that are going to be you know probably the same same good teams in August. About you know. Some of those teams that get hot the first, you know, two, four weeks of the season. Yeah, the, the, the sample size out. has grown to a point where we feel like there's a bit of reliability here yeah, in terms yeah. of how our it's rankings, not a mistake. 
how our rankings will last to the end of the season. At the same time, though, uh, things are still going to change. Mm-hmm. Injuries are going to happen, and there's a lot of baseball left to be played. So, uh, But this is where we're at right now. So, Travis, would you like to start us off with your top five teams, your one through five on your current power rankings? Oh, I'd love to. All right. So for my top five, I'll go one through five. So starting off with the number one spot for me, I have the San Francisco Giants. Wow. So I'm not going to cover that too much, but I have the, and I, I'll go a little bit more definitely. I know you're shaking your head over there. I, I'm, I'm kind of spazzing out. That took, me, that took me by surprise, but, yep. but continue. So number one, I have San Francisco Giants. Number two, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, moving to the three spot, uh, going back to the Bay Area, the Oakland Athletics, which pains me to say. But I know you're shaking your head over there again, too. We, okay. It looks like our lists are a little bit different right now. But I would say um, that again. We'll talk, we'll talk a little more to that in a little bit. But um, number four spot, I have the Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox, number four spot. And then rounding out number five, I have the San Diego Padres. So a lot of, a lot of California teams in the top five for me. Um, but I'd love to hear what you got so then we can discuss and see who's right and wrong. Yeah, we can have a little back and forth. Um, just to start off, a preview. Yeah, our list varied quite a bit, which is interesting. I'm glad That's good, we'll, we'll yeah. have something to talk about. Um, so yeah, I'll start. I'll start off with mine, my top five for my current rankings. My number one team right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have them in the one spot so far. My second team, I actually have the Padres. Okay. I have the Padres in the two spot, and right behind them, I have the Dodgers in the three spot. Wow. So I don't I, know about that. So I got, I, our, it seems like our, our NL West, <laughs> our NL West is in a bit of an odd order between you and I, but uh, my, my, so that's one through three. My four team is the Chicago White Sox and my five team is the San Fran Giants. So okay. some, uh, a lot of similar teams, but also a lot of differences uh, in, in some big ways. So I guess let's start off. One thing we do agree on clearly is the Rays being really good. The Definitely. Rays are a really good record. The Rays um, are a top two team, and, and that's yeah. very clear to see. The be- best best AL team, um, and I think they have the same amount of wins as the Giants with 37, so they are at least leading, tied for first in baseball with the number of wins. So the Rays are, of course, just being led by a genius in uh, Kevin Cash. Yeah. You know, really knows how to how to work his lineup and his rotation. He really, he's really maximizing, I guess, the, the, the pieces that the Rays have been able to bring in. Um, historically a lower budget team yet they have the smarts in the front office and the smarts in the coaching staff to make it work anyways get the most out of their players uh a lot of people probably counted them out going into this year seeing blake snell leaving the team charlie morton leaving the team and it's like they haven't missed a beat right travis like exactly. we're talking about a team that led the al in in record last year and now they're on pace to do it again so exactly. really exactly. incredible uh currently the rays uh have been really hot they swept in the last couple of weeks here they've swept the phillies the Mets, Toronto, and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. They also beat Kansas City. Uh, and, and then they, they lost two different uh, series to the Yankees in the last, uh, in the last uh, couple weeks here, but they outscored them in both series. Mm. So that almost tells me like, okay, yeah, you lost a series and that's unfortunate. Uh, in the playoffs, that counts as a loss in, in, in a, in a, in a you know, uh, ALDS or something like that. But actually, if you're looking at like a season-long like endeavor, yeah. you're outscoring your opponents yeah. in a series. So that tells me, you're like the, you know, in a way you're the better team. So uh, it's really impressive what the Rays have been able to do these last few weeks. They've really been on a crazy, crazy tear uh, and they're just red hot. Uh, They've really earned the number one spot for me, number number two spot for you. 
Talk to me about the let's go to let's go to the Giants. Let's talk Giants because you have them yep. one, I have them five. That's, yep. that's quite a bit of a difference. So yep. I so, guess go on. So going past, I think back to the last ten to twelve games, um, going going for their season. Uh, start. I'll start. I'll start on May twenty fifth. Uh, they had a two game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Easy two games uh, sweep. You know, the Diamondbacks don't really have too much going for them right now. Then they actually went to Los Angeles and had a four-game series in L.A. against the Dodgers. Took three of four from the Dodgers that series. Yeah. Only lost the first game of the series 3-4 to the Dodgers. Um, and Dodgers were actually starting to get a little bit hot. Dodgers yeah. starting to gain some more momentum. So actually, it was really impressive to see them take three of four. And that was kind of the series to me that was kind of like, wow, like that, that really opened up my eyes like you know i thought this team was good the first month and a half you know they they started losing to some teams and i was like yeah. okay maybe they're, they're kind of dying out now but right. took that huge series to the dodgers then uh you know only took one from the angels of course because i mean the angels are just so good i mean right i mean you can't can't sleep the angels don't mess with us so you know they, they did take one from the angels uh, they actually they beat us the first game on Memorial Day, and then they they lost pretty bad the second day. They lost yeah. they lost eight one. I think Anthony Rendon pretty much was the reason why because he had five ribbies in that game. Um, but took uh, split the series with the Angels, and then this past weekend they played a four game series with the Chicago Cubs, and they're currently playing right now. But they are on the verge of sweeping the Chicago Cubs. And if you guys remember the Chicago Cubs the past couple weeks actually have grown and have gotten heated up. Yeah. They, they have gotten very very good. Um, you see kind of, they've been very sneaky offense has really awoken. Chris Bryant is the leader in that lineup. They are, you know, it's funny cause they keep on saying they need a starting pitcher if they really want to do something this season yeah. and they trade away Darvish, you know, at, <laughs> in yeah. the off season. Well, could have so, been if they had him. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, almost looking like right now, the first three games against the Cubs, all wins. I- I'm just, I'm just impressed with the giants because like you said, they're a team that we're still in June and they're still shoving it to these good teams in the NL, which I'm, I'm just very impressed with. They have a top-of-the-line starter in Kevin Gosman. We kind of highlighted him last week. He has been insane this season. I think the last nine starts, he has a .62 ERA and is 9-0 and in that. Yeah, that's, he, that's, that's just something otherworldly, yeah. I think this season as well, he has yet to lose a game. Um, he's just been insane for the Giants right now. Buster Posey has awoken. He's been a very good uh, spot for them as well. Uh, Crawford's kind of had a really good season as well. Longoria has kind of had a rebound season. A lot of guys are kind of rebounding uh, and, and, and that, having that, that above average that, seasons. That goes out without that goes without saying the fact that Posey uh, and then as well as Evan Longoria, Crawford are having all these bounce back years. Belt uh, is continuing to be like one of the best like disciplined guys at the plate. He's yep, been yep. a good lefty first baseman for them. Um, and then obviously pair that with the pitching, what what Gosman is doing right now is is you know more or less no one saw. People know he's a good pitcher, but no one saw this level of of dominance coming in the first couple months of the season. He's just been uh you know on another level, really right there in the top top maybe three or four in the NL uh, Cy Young race so far. All that I agree with Travis, but I guess I guess my qualms with them why I have them down in five rather than like a, a top. You have them at the top, so mm-hmm. I guess some of the difference for me comes with the fact that. Um, recently they split a series with the Pirates, which, you know, one series, you know, not a big deal, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely not what you want to see. Mm-hmm. That's a series you want to take and kind of build your lead in, in your division. Um, and then they recently were swept, they were swept by the Dodgers recently. That's so right. That's they right. They had the series W that you mentioned as well as a sweep, uh, in the other direction. So I guess I just feel like, um, the magic might be wearing off a bit because they've obviously had a very magical start to the first uh, couple months. They have. Yeah. I, I think that the Padres and the Dodgers are finally clicking a bit. 
Dodgers had that really big uh, dry spell in the first uh, first couple months of their season. They lost several straight. Um, and then you're looking at the the Padres who have missed Tatis a bit. Uh, they've had uh, Grisham out missed time. Will Myers missed time with COVID. Uh, so these, some of these guys are missing time for the Padres. I feel like once everything is back to normal, uh, assuming it does get back to normal, I think the Giants will continue to kind of slip a bit uh, in terms of their lead in the division. I think the Padres and the Dodgers are... Uh, you know, in the right spot to take over the division very soon here. That's the way I see it trending. So that's why I have them above the uh, the the current San Fran Giants, who are still leading the division. But I guess I don't see it lasting for very much longer. And I, th- and I think the big thing for me that was the big kind of like, okay, this team's actually serious. And yes, the, the they they actually got swept at home against the Dodgers. And I was like, okay, you know, the, the magic's off. They're probably wearing out. Yeah. But the the rebound series in LA, taking three of four and having a good. Uh, presence there and then of course right now this weekend against the Chicago White or the Chicago Cubs who have just been kind of the talk of baseball for the past couple weeks um, with the way that they've rebounded we all thought it was going to be Cardinals and Brewers running away you know Reds and Cubs will be fighting for the third place spot but the Cubs have been a very nice surprise and just the way they're playing against them right now I just I, I can't ignore that and I was I was thinking you know what I mean the Giants have have proved to us for now two months that they are they're they're still the best team record wise in baseball, um, and so I had to put them number one. And just also the teams that they've been playing have been have been actually relatively good teams. So um, yeah, no, that, and that's super that's super fair. I, I guess I just look at obviously you look at these these rosters of Giants, of Padres, of Dodgers, and of course when you're talking about talent on the lineups, you're going to say the Giants are third there. They're behind the other two. Um, I just look at the. You know, the Giants, one thing they've got going for them is how good Gausman's been. But I think by the end of the season, Darvish and Musgrove, what Darvish and Musgrove have been able to do so far this season, we're talking about a 2.25 ERA for Darvish, a 2.33 ERA for Musgrove. Both guys are above 10 strikeouts per nine. Both guys are absolutely dealing. Both guys above 150 ERA plus. I think that um, some of the things the Padres have going for them, obviously their lineup is more talented top to bottom than the Giants. Mm-hmm. I think it's only a matter of time before a team like the Padres takes over the division and the Dodgers, once they're healthy again, they'll be right back there, obviously missing Bellinger for a good stretch of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dodgers are in a position where they were forced to bring in Albert Pujols and uh, <laughs> Tutsugo to kind of fill in some That's of the right. holes because That's they had right. so many injuries. So I think once things normalize, the Giants are going to continue kind of dropping below uh, the Padres and Dodgers. But I, I think, you know, you know, it's just kind of a matter of the way we see things right now. Um, we're gonna have, we're, we're gonna have differences. So that's it's okay. fair, and I, I mean, and, and and I'm I'm gonna probably be the be the guy that's gonna keep on thinking and counting out the Giants. That you know, I don't know if they can actually make this last. We'll see about July and August if if they're even there. I would probably bet they're not gonna be there just because I'm kind of still waiting for that that fall off because Gosman just has been unreal, and if he can keep that up, I mean. He has some serious, you know, Cy Young consideration right there. But, yeah. you know, a guy like that, let's see how he does the rest of the season and the rest of the team. Um, it's it's a marathon. We only have about 60 games. I mean, right now, if if we were last season, the Giants would be the number one seed, you know, going to the playoffs. And that'd be kind of interesting. You yeah. Know, the, the San Francisco Giants, no one would have thought that. And Rami, Travis, did you mention the Padres name yet in your top five? I did. They were at my number five. Okay. And yeah. so I had yeah. them at two. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so we just kind of had those kind of guys flipped almost, like the Padres and, and, the, and the Giants. The, and the, 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 what the Padres have done so far, uh, recently they've swept uh, St. Louis, Colorado, Seattle, 
They beat Houston uh, in a series, and then they lost to Milwaukee in a series, but they did outscore Milwaukee mm-hmm. in that series. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of tells me that I think the Padres are trending in the right direction. Um, and you have them in the top five, so you agree that they're a really hot team, and there's sky's the limit for them. They're but. they're extremely hot, and they. I mean, you look at the you look at the roster, you look at the players. I mean, they have. They have probably like if you look at like their top twelve players on uh, in Baseball Reference WAR. I mean, they have the list is the list is the, incredible. It, yeah. It's 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 strong. I mean, these guys. This is what you call about power rankings, and they have a they have a top to bottom great lineup, great rotation. Um, I just see maybe a little bit of you know inconsistency. You know, this past series with the Mets, I think they actually are losing the series with the Mets. Um, and so I, I I see a little bit of that, and you know, it doesn't worry me, but also it's just um. You know, sometimes I wonder maybe if the, the squad can play as a whole. But to me, they're again, they're still they're still one of the best teams in baseball. The Padres, um, I know record size doesn't always show, but you know, if 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 we had to see a Padres and a Giants series, I probably would be thinking the Padres are going to take it to the Giants. I mean, the, on paper, they definitely look right. better. They look better, and so, right. um, so yeah, I have them there. Where did you have the Chicago White Sox? I had them fourth. Okay, same so thing here. So we, I were four. We agree that they're the premier team of the american yeah. league central it's not particularly close and i think the one team that we left off because i had the white Sox number four i had oakland at number three and i think you had dodgers number three right so that's a little difference there yeah. we're talking about two teams that won their divisions last year have a very good chance to win them again this year but uh and and you know oakland it, it's it's they're just i mean i i they're I, pesky travis they're, they're they're pesky they really are i mean i don't want to say they have a good roster or a good team but they just they, they just they, they just do fight and <laughs> yeah. they and they get wins Chapman is having an absolute awful year, but Matt Olson is having an he insanely picked, yeah, good year. Yeah, he's picking up the slack. Yeah, um, Pinder's always going to be good. Uh, Luriano, uh, Luriano, and then also Piscotti. Chris, just, Chris Bassett, I think, is having a great Chris uh, start Bassett. To that's what I want to point out too, as well. Having a great season. Manaya's actually had a couple of good starts, um, and they have one other guy, James. Capri Caprilian, I think his name name is, but someone spell check us, please. Yes, he, he only has four games started this season, um, in twenty one innings pitched, but an ERA below three and two and zero on the season, um, has been a very very nice spot for the Oakland A's in their rotation. It seems like for them, Travis, it's always next man up. It is someone it is. someone someone starts slipping, having a bad year, and someone else just picks up the slack. It, it just, some guy we've never it heard of. It, it just pisses me off. So, <laughs> some guy we've never heard of comes out of the, out of the blue and just takes over. Like this year, it's been almost like offensively a Mark Canna, yeah. Ramon Laureano, and Matt Olson year. And last year it was a Semyon, or sorry, in 2019, it was a Semyon, a Chapman year. And, you know, the way it kind of switches around so quickly, but the whole team ends up staying very relevant and, and, and towards the top of the AL West. I understand why you have them that high, but I have not said their name yet, Travis. So <laughs> I, I think we need to continue down our list and see who else exactly, we have. Exactly, exactly. So I'll, I'll go again. I'll, I'll do my six through ten. Um, rounding out the top 10 for the power rankings. Number six, I have the Boston Red Sox at number six. Okay. And I'll explain that too. Number seven, now I have the LA Dodgers at number seven for me. Number eight, I have the Milwaukee Brewers rounding at number eight. Number nine, the Chicago Cubs. And then following at the last spot, number 10, the Toronto Blue Jays for me at number 10. So, okay. Um, I'll love to hear about yours, and then of course we'll dissect and we'll 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 talk about what we think. Cool. So, starting off with my number six team, I have a team that you didn't mention, as far as I'm aware. Wow. I have the Houston Astros. I did not. That's right. Okay. So I have the Houston Astros in the sixth spot, uh, seventh spot. I have Toronto, who you mm-hmm. did mention. Wow. So okay. Toronto okay. is my seven team. Uh, eight. I have the Cubs, mm-hmm. who you also mentioned. Uh, Chicago Cubs have been uh, hot as of late. Number nine, I have the Red Sox, another team that you had. 
And then 10, I have the brew crew who you mentioned. The brew crew, okay. So we have that. That's my 10. And, and I guess we can talk about the teams we left off. And so mm-hmm. we both left off an AL West team, Travis. I never said the Athletics. And you never said the Astros. <laughs> and they're the two best teams in the AL West. So we need to talk about that. Yes. W- yes. W- w- so I guess w- we'll take it this angle. How about this? Why do you like the Athletics over the Astros? And then I'll say why I like the Astros over the Athletics, I guess. Let's try, let's try to take it that way, maybe. No no problem. You know, looking at it, you know, I think, I mean, easily you could look at it this way. The, the A's have, the, have a better record over the Astros. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the A's, like you said, it's always next man up. And I feel like they have more of a complete team. Um, looking at the Astros, they of course are, they have a monstrous, just a, a monstrous offense. The talent level, yeah. A very good offense. The pitching side is good, but I don't think it's as strong as the Oakland A's, the way that they're getting all their production from everybody. Um, I just think that as a complete team and unit, the Oakland A's are a better team. They have, I think that they're more of a uh, sound, just all the guys kind of getting along and clicking all together. Yeah. The Oakland is, like I said, I mean, we look at their roster every year, and I mean, I think every year everyone's everyone's thinking they're a third-place team, but they just, of course, always it, are. It feels like a system they have going. They just have a system. Everyone buys in. They all they all are having, and they all want to accomplish one thing and one goal, and it, it, it just upsets me as, you know, a guy that's an Angels fan, and just it, the Oakland A's just bug me because it's just like, yeah. how is this team still here? And so yeah. um, they're just a pest, like you yeah. said. But I think that, of course, for me, I have to give them respect that they are always a team that just clicks well together. It's always someone new every night coming with a big hit. Luriano, Olsen, Chad Pinder. Uh, and then, you know, you also have Mark Canna, who's just having an insane season as well. Yeah. I, I think also Piscotti is a guy that always comes in somehow to the Angels in the seventh inning and just has like a three-run homer. Yeah. And it just upsets me so much. <laughs> it, it, it's just random guys like that. Tony Kemp, just yeah. some guy that'll flick one in the outfield. Yeah. And then Sean Murphy might get one hit out of the game, and it's like, oh, it's a it's three-run home. It, it's at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like it's just like the Oakland A's, man. It's just like, I just don't know what to explain it. And then Chris and the, Bassett and, will just— And the bullpen will close the door usually with exactly. them. Exactly. You know, uh, Yasmero Petit is an insane relief pitcher. Um, Bassett's doing insane yeah. this season. Deekman is very good yep, as well. Yep, yep. And, and so the Oakland A's, to me, just seem like a more complete team. But the Astros, of course, are right there on them. Um, a very strong offense. They're going to be getting Framber Valdez back in a couple of weeks, I believe. Um, and then, of course, that should be another strong, you know, suit to their pitching staff. I, I think um, for that. But yeah, go ahead and say what you want to say about the Astros. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll guess I'll kind of make the case for Houston here. Um, so recently they have uh, series wins versus both Oakland and the Angels, which kind of tells me, okay, they have kind of a grasp on the interdivision, uh, I guess, rivals, I guess. And then uh, they were both swept and swept by Texas uh, mm. in, in the last couple of weeks, which getting swept by Texas is never something you want to, you know, yeah. have on yeah. your, uh, I guess, on your on your record there. Yeah. But but I guess they made up for it with, by sweeping them back. So um, big exchange series with Texas. And they also swept Boston. And Boston had been one of the hottest teams in baseball. They they dropped from a top five team in our, mm-hmm. in our power mm-hmm. rankings last week to now they're a bottom five on both of our lists. And I think that's in part because they lost some series to teams like the Astros. Uh, Ash, Astros split a series with the Dodgers. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were watching that. That was, a, that was a big event in the baseball world. And then they lost a series to Toronto. The Astros did, but they outscored them in that series. They scored uh, more runs than, they, than the uh, Toronto did in the series, even though they lost uh, two, of, two games of three, I believe. So that all that kind of just tells me that the Astros um, are especially facing other really good teams. They're facing, you know, That's teams true. like Oakland, like Boston, like Toronto, and they're putting up very competitive series, if not winning the series. Mm-hmm. In the case of Boston, they're sweeping them. So I, I, and then that is just completely 
looking at record only. And then we look, look at the talent of the team. And I see a lineup where we talk about how the, how the A's are next man up. The Astros, it's like they have all these talented players. And any given night, one of them is going to step up. Yep. Gurriel will have a monster game. Yep. Bregman will have a game with like three for five, two mm-hmm. doubles. Altuve has a big game. Uh, it, the list goes on. Brantley will have like a five for five. Like just what? Yeah. Where did that come from? Kind of mm-hmm. kind of game. Mm-hmm. And then Correa is like their short, their shortstop anchor this year. I think he's actually leading the team in baseball reference war, being a great defender as well as a very good hitter. Um, and then their their pitching staff. Uh, it seems like they're always better than expected. I That's believe true. I I believe Fer- Ferber Beldes is back. If I'm not mistaken, I think okay. he made one appearance so far. If I'm not mistaken, and you know a guy like that coming back is going to be big for them. Uh, Verlander is someone who I would not expect to come back this year. No. And and that's okay. I don't even think they need him to win the division. Um, I think Granke, as well as combined Valdez, and then some of the other kind of role player uh, guys that have really stepped up, like I believe his name is Garcia. Um, there's Christian the, Javier. And then and then the bullpen is, is always good. Presley yep. has been really good this year. Uh, he closes down games whenever he needs to. He's the kind of guy I don't want to see when the Angels are down by one in the ninth inning. He's a very uh, underrated, and I think honestly he's probably one of the best closers right now in the game. He's had and the only thing that only bad thing I've seen from him is the is the train track shot to Tatis that Tatis right. got up in. But right. for, for everything else, I mean, Preston has but, been but, insane. But yeah. that's just Tatis. That's Tatis is just kind of a, no. He's going to beat you one way or another sometimes exactly. when he wants exactly. to. So, but yeah, the Astros, what they've been able to do, it seems like it's top to bottom. The lineup, the defense is good. Tucker Tucker started the year cold. Uh, and he has been very, very good since he's yeah. like his production has is, is been, you know, exactly what they need towards the bottom of their lineup. Just kind of evening things out and mm-hmm. having a strong bottom as well as we know the top is great. You're done having a bit of a of a bounce back from a, missing a lot of 2020. I think the team is just super, super good. Uh, that goes without saying. And uh, I, I guess I just have them over the A's. I think mm-hmm. that they're going to be a better bet to finish on top. I think their strength of schedule has been good and they've, uh, you know, done everything they could to be in a good spot to take the division. So. Right now, the A's are ahead of them in record, but I think I can see that shifting. I guess let's try to change direction here a bit. Um, we had a lot of agreement on the bottom half. Uh, yeah. We both have Toronto, the Cubs, and the Brewers in different spots, yeah. but we have them all, and I think for good reason. Uh, the Brewers have slipped a bit, I think, but their pitching staff really keeps them in it, right? Still elite. Still going to yeah. be top. Pitching staff is probably top top two top one you know yeah. in majors right now so especially the, looking at the top three exactly peralta just had a no-hit bid going to the seventh i believe yeah, uh, yeah. corbin burns today actually just w- i think went seven scoreless yep w- like 13 k's or something like that and then- w- woodruff was your player of the month last year so woodruff's that, just woodruff that, that, yeah. that, that goes to show how good he's been yeah um, yep. and so milwaukee is definitely a top 10 and you know the yeah. offense could be how it is but you know what they're always they're gonna be a top 10 they're still a force right now to the i think they're actually tied for first with the cubs right now the cubs have actually had a kind of a, like i said They've been playing the Giants, lost the last three games, and then I think Milwaukee has actually won the last three games, so that's why they're making them tied right now Yeah, um, I, I, for the division. I'll be honest. I almost didn't want to include the Cubs in my top 10 because I just didn't feel like they're a team that's going to be in my top 10 going forward. I thought that you know mm-hmm. they kind of had a, had a hot streak and they might die out. But Travis, honestly, looking at some of the teams they've beaten, they, beat, they won a series versus the Padres, versus St. Louis, and then also versus the Nationals, Pittsburgh, Detroit. So some of those teams are not as good as the others. But taking those series against the Potters in St. Louis, that's super big. That's that's, that's big time. And, that's true. And uh, it's really been on the back of you know some you know some pitchers stepping up at the right time. Their bats have been sneaky good. Bias has gotten better over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. In 2020, he was arguably the worst uh, qualified hitter in baseball uh, in terms of like just his average, his on base, his slugging. It was not good at all. 
Um, his defense always the strong suit there for him, but he's been better. His OPS plus at the beginning of the year was below 100. Now it's well above. And then a guy like Chris Bryant, who's propelled himself into the MVP conversation, yeah. honestly, already. Rizzo, a mainstay, has been well above average. And then uh, I guess everyone else kind of doing their job. Contreras yeah. doing his job. Uh, and then Kimbrel Travis. Kim- Kimbrel, quick pause here, quick pause. Travis has always had Kimbrel as one of his most respected closers in history. He loves Kimbrel. <laughs> talk to me about what talk to me about what this year for him means for his legacy. I think I thought he was washed. 2019, yeah, yeah. 2019 the Cubs brought him in. I think his first 3 appearances he blew saves. Yep. Yeah. This year Travis he's back. He is back and actually he's a guy that we have not covered in our monthly reviews as being you no know, closers. Uh top closers in the game. But he's making his case. Yeah, right now has an ERA 0.78, 13 saves on the season. Uh, you know, 23 innings pitched, 39 strikeouts. So almost like Chapman, almost striking out two guys every inning yeah. for Craig Kimbrell. Um, I, you know, his early years in Atlanta, I mean, people will always, you know, go back and analyze that. He had some of the most insane years back in Atlanta, um, putting up some of those numbers. Some people give him a lot of credit. Some people actually, you know, right now when you talk about regular season, they were saying, you know, Kimbrell is putting up better numbers than Mariano Rivera did in the regular season. Of course, Rivera was a postseason guy. And if you haven't looked at those numbers, go ahead and check those out. Your those, mind's are, those, those are stupid. Uh, and especially in crunch time. But, you know, going back to, you know, Kimbrell back in the early, you know, Braves years, um, you know, 46. 46 saves in 2011 then 42 the next year then 50 the next year then 47 the year after that you know he had almost you know, he had four straight years for a young guy exactly for a young guy 23 to 20 uh 26 every year is getting 42 saves or more and so uh you know Kimbrel was a guy that you know I still respect very much and this season he is having you know like you said an insane bounce back year 2019 was just a huge downfall a 653 ERA which was so season. surprising to see after that 2018 in Boston the Sox, where yep. they won the World Series. Kimbrell was their everyday closer. He was locked down. Huge and, in the end. Had some huge saves in the postseason. And he didn't get the contract he wanted. So he just no. kind of waited out for the Cubs. That's and right. I think it really hurt his 2019. He never got into that groove. That's Obviously, right. he didn't have a spring training. He didn't even have the first half of the season yeah. to get warm. So that's, and, that, and that was the same thing, I think, with Keiko as well. Because Keiko's on the Braves, and he never had that. He missed the first half. And it's just like, you know, they come into it season's already halfway under undergone and players are already kind of in that that baseball mode yeah yeah so yeah and then so after that 2018 he goes into 2019 misses time does poorly 2020 i think he barely played i think yeah he only had actually had 18 games um and 11 games finished but a 5-2-8 era i I thought he was done honestly i i and i guess you know shame on me for counting him out i i thought that 2018 was it and that you know, relievers are unpredictable. Some years, relievers, they'll just be done. Mm-hmm. Or they'll mm-hmm. just have a really bad year, and you really can't see it coming. It just, it just, it just the result of the fact that they're throwing, you know, 50 innings a year sometimes. Or in the case of the short season, it's, you know, some guys threw 20, 30 innings all season. Yeah. And there's no way to predict how a 20-inning uh, season is going to go. You know, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much variance there. And Kimbrell has totally bounced back. I'm glad we went on this little tangent because he's been what the Cubs needed, honestly an anchor to kind of close out some of these close games because it's going to be a close division. It's going to be the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers all in the mix, it seems like. Cubs currently leading. I think the Brewers, I still like the Brewers in the division. No. They definitely they definitely could falter if the lineup doesn't pick up the slack. We need Yelich to kind of, you know, Yelich is good, and he's still been good this season so far, but he's not returned to form completely yet. He's missed a lot of time as well. Um, if they get him back and, and you know, really kick the lineup back. I know the, the Brewers got a lot hotter once Willie Adamas uh, join the team and i think they can continue sort of on the role that they're on but 
uh, the Cubs have earned to be above them. I think we both had it that way, did we not? I no, actually, it's funny because I had Milwaukee above them okay. just because of the pitching staff and just and the potential in that pitching staff. It is, and, and, and I and of course me, I'm I'm a big believer. I love pitching. If you have a strong pitching staff, I think that 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 really elevates you in your power rankings. Just because also I think the last this last weekend the Cubs have kind of been slipping a little bit, losing to the Giants, and then of course Milwaukee has just been you know playing like they've been playing Peralta and also Corbin Burns the last two days just been insane yeah um and so i had to include uh you know milwaukee a little you know one one spot higher than the cubs but they are always for me when i was like making this list they were going to be neck and neck right next to each other yep. you know no matter where in the rankings and, they are and the cardinals will be in the mix they will be in the they, mix. they're too consistent to drop too far out of that list exactly uh, they are just too deep and uh they're, they're they're stacked offensively as well as a good pitching staff so um you know i and also and central is going to be fun to track it's going to be a, a race for sure uh, other teams we have, we talked about Boston already. How they mm-hmm. really they dropped down from being top five. Were were they your six team? Number six for me. Yeah. So they dropped out of both of our top fives. Um, well, I one, think one I think that's I wanted, fair. One thing I want to point out too is the uh, is the Dodgers. I know you had a number three. Oh yeah. And so I had a number seven. Um, take me through that just real quickly. Sure. Why you think they're number three? Still, I know you kind of can look at the roster, and that's one thing, and, and that also them on you know playing in the field. That's another thing. So right. Take me through that. Right. So I guess. Uh, so like we mentioned, uh, when, we, when we covered the Giants, they beat the Giants and they also lost to the Giants. They mm-hmm. swept them and mm-hmm. then they lost uh, three of four, I believe. So both those has happened in the, since our last power rankings. Uh, also, the Dodgers beat St. Louis in a series. Uh, they're actually in a game three scenario with Atlanta right now. Is that game mm-hmm. over? It, might it be... is over and they actually lost. So they, have, okay. they, lo- they, they actually lost two or three from the, from the Braves right now. Okay. And then, but they did beat Arizona, who has been on the biggest slump. So that yeah, doesn't mean too course, much. Of course. And they also beat Seattle, who's been on a huge slump. So mm-hmm. the strength of schedule the last couple of weeks might not be there, but they are winning games. And I just try to think that they're winning these games uh, with a depreciated lineup. We're talking about a lineup without Bellinger. We're talking about uh, a lot of. But the, but the, but the machines in it. I, I think that I think that I think your laughs your laughs under your breath right now is kind of telling us that uh that, that was a bit they of have a the machine batting in the in the middle of the lineup so he's batting in the four spot sometimes which is <laughs> uh I'm sorry to Dodger fans who have to witness that some of those ground grounded into double plays or we haven't even mentioned the fact that Albert Pools almost had a walk off home run Travis that that's was right. robbed by uh Talkman for the left fielder for the uh, Giants right yeah, yeah that's right the, the Giants, that yeah. was. That must have been a heartbreaker for for Dodgers. And I, the, the stadium went crazy for a yeah, minute there, and yeah, then against the rival, but yeah, and then uh, you know, uh, it was all for nothing. But uh, yeah, I think the Dodgers. We're talking about a team that's performing without Bellinger. Uh, I think he is back. He is back now for but the past a, week. I believe, a, a yeah. lot of missed time for him though. That's really affected the way they've been able to win series. Uh, McKinstry was super hot early, and he missed a lot of time as well. Uh, and then other guys are picking up the slack. Like Urias has really picked up some slack. He's mm-hmm. been elite. Uh, Bauer has been very good. Bueller has been very good. Kershaw had a couple shaky outings, but overall has been good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just have a lot of faith in them. I just can't really see a, a way where they don't finish with a top five record in baseball. I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way around it, honestly. No, no, uh, yeah. Their bullpen yeah. is perhaps shakier than before, but their 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 IL list has been long and exhaustive, and they have had the next man up mindset where Muncie is an MVP candidate out of yep. nowhere. Um, a guy like. Uh, Chris Taylor is honestly, if he was, I heard some, I heard some frustration with this. Chris Taylor on the all-star battle is listed as an outfielder, but if he was listed as a second baseman, Travis, I think he'd be the NL second baseman because his numbers yeah. have been honestly unreal, Yeah, but he's not going to be able to make it in the outfield because outfield's going to have, you know, guys like Acuna, Soto. Castellanos, Winker, yeah. Even his own yeah. teammates like yeah. Betts. Uh, it's it's going to be tougher. And, and that's another thing that actually is funny when you move, uh, when you move guys around, um, 
you know, certain, you know, some people, I, I know the Dodgers like to actually, and that's what we talked about last week with Muncie. He's playing a lot of different positions. If he yeah. just take, maybe if he was just a second baseman, he'd be the, or he'd be in the all-star he'd team. He'd be number one, yeah. best second baseman now in the game. And it just kind of sucks when you move guys around that you really can't, you know, project them and get them at that one position. It's like, well, is he a third baseman? Is he a first baseman? Yeah. I can't really, I don't really know where to put him. And so, but then, but right. Well, I guess to continue on, the, on that IL talk, like missing Seager, uh, other guys that had to step up. Lux has stepped up because uh, Seager's missing time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tur- Turner's been very good. Uh, Will Smith has been good. I-, I just, so many of their guys in the team have been good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if they haven't been good, I'll just say I expect them to turn it around because that's the kind of team that they have right now. It's just that special of a lineup, of a rotation. The bullpen has, is shaky, but I mean, I think once they get all their arms back off the off the aisle, I know Gratterall's missed a lot of time mm-hmm. amongst many mm-hmm. other guys. So um, I, I, I just truly believe that they are going to be, you know, the real deal when it's time to be uh, to play winning baseball. So we'll see when we get there. But they have to be top top five for me, at least. I had them in the three spot. No doubt. No um, doubt. And I, and I think, like you said, they'll, they'll get there. I just, of course, I see, of course, the Braves series that they that they played in. They actually destroy the Cardinals. Um, which is really nice. And then, of course, to me, I look at the the losing three or four from the Giants. Um, again, disappointing as well, especially at home. You you know, you lose three or four from the Giants. And then, of course, taking, you know, losing two or three from the, the Braves. Still both very good teams. But um, I, I guess what I will say is that, like, I, I see I see different uh, Dodgers starting lineups, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be, you know, afternoon and I see the all the beat writers post the lineup for the day. And it's not what you saw in the world series last year. No, it's not. It's at all. not you see Albert pool is batting fifth. You see the two go in the lineup. Yep, yep. You see, uh, you know, yeah. Rookie Lux playing a lot of, a lot of, uh, big innings. That's right. That's right. You see, uh, you know, just a lot of different guys who you didn't really expect going into the year because of injuries primarily. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they lost some depth losing Peterson and, uh, Kike Hernandez. That's right. So they've had to kind of bring up some guys to fill in for the injuries. And I think that they are still, uh, putting up a great record with a difficult strength of schedule despite the injuries. So I just, I'm high on them. I think that they're going to continue to be great. Not exactly a hot take because we know the Dodgers are, are super scary um, based on just on, on their talent. So I think that kind of wraps up our power rankings. Any other teams you want to kind of cover? Or no, that was think? pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, those teams are definitely the, the, for me, they, they represent to being the most, you know, com- not complete, but just almost complete teams yeah. um, as it is. And, you know, it's, it's some of these, sometimes it's some weeks it's actually impossible. I feel like to make some of these lists. Cause you're just like, I well, com- could not agree more. Travis. Does, we were- <laughs> does, 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 does three wins over, you know, the Pittsburgh pirates, you know, is, is, how, how do you is, compare that to like beating two one against the blue Jays? It, it, it's just so weird to kind of look at some exactly, of this stuff. Exactly. And so you look at the strength of schedule, the record, the roster, that kind of thing, who's injured, who's not injured. So, and, and Travis, when, when we're making our list, I'm sure you could feel the same way. I'm sure you had some, you know, the same exact thought. Oh, you, definitely. You, you look at some of these teams. We both didn't include Travis. We both did not include any NL East teams. I was saying this, we snubbed the Mets. Yeah, both of us. I was going to say the same thing too. And yep. it just has to do with, it's a tough call. You got the Mets are 28 and three. Toronto's 30 and 26. Like all these teams are a few games above 500. Yep. And they got talented teams, either, you know, in the Mets case, the Grom is being incredible. In Toronto's case, the lineup is in crazy and Guerrero mm-hmm. is crazy. In we, Milwaukee's like 32 and 26. They're right there in a similar kind of winning percentage as the Mets. But Milwaukee, we like their pitching. So yep. we went with yep. them. Exactly. So many teams are tight in this race. St. Louis, we snubbed. Uh, you know, n- neither one of us snubbed Oakland, one snubbed Houston. Those are both teams that are probably going to be in the playoffs. Definitely, um, definitely. So, yeah, we had to make tough decisions, and uh, that's just the way it goes. So, we, neither, neither of us included the Yankees. Uh, Yankees, so, Indians, NL East. Yeah, there's a lot of teams we definitely... Tons of teams that we could see in the postseason that we had to leave off because so many teams are closely packed in that kind of six through, like, maybe 14, 13 range. So, 
you know, we had to make snubs and that's the way it goes. So I think that kind of wraps up our top 10 power rankings there, Travis. I think it's time we transition into a little bit of Angels talk before we wrap up this episode. What exactly. Do you, what do you say? Uh, yeah, Angels. Uh, you know what? I think last time we spoke about them, Mike Trout was still in the lineup. Now, of course, you know, injured. I think he's been out the last two, three weeks um, with his uh, is it calf, calf strain injury. Yeah. Um, I heard he's finally out of a boot. Which yeah, is out really of a boot now. Good, good so to hear. Hopefully, you know, get him back. That'd be great to get him back after the All-Star break. Um, get him back for the second half of the season. But right now, I mean, we've, we've been playing uh, pretty, I would say, pretty honestly exceptional good baseball. You know, la- looking at last weekend, we split the series with the Oakland A's, which is what you always want to do when you go to Oakland. Just like I said, just being a pesky team. Um, had, a, had a good series right there. Split the team with, you know, who I have number one on my power rankings with the San Francisco Giants, who play very good baseball. Uh, you know, lost the first game and then also took it to them the second game. and had a really good offensive performance that game. And then, you know, looking at the last series um, against the Seattle Mariners, um, you know, lost the first game of the series and then, of course, took back Friday night and won big last night. And then right now, I know we're currently down um, to the Seattle Mariners. But, um, you know, what's that score? It, I think it's a 4-2 game, but I saw you okay. know, Jared Walsh uh, double. So Ooh. heating up in the eighth could be, you know, we're we're late. We're we late. Are, we strike late. Travis. We're a late, <laughs> late I, game kind of team. I believe, but, you know. One thing I will say that's been impressive, and I know you can definitely, I, I can tell you guys from Friday night, is, is the bullpen. The bullpen actually has, you know, done a lot better than it did almost in the first 40 to 50 games of the season. And one name um, stands out, Travis. I think I know who it is. I think you know exactly what I'm thinking of. It's the guy who got the six out save yes. just last, or was it Friday night? Friday night, Rossiel Iglesias. Six out save with four Ks. Travis, I saw a crazy graph, and it was the win probability of the game. And so, for those that don't know, the Mariners were losing by one, yes. but they had zero outs, bases loaded, courtesy of Mike you Mayer's you, a rough you, outing for you him. You think you're just going to get one run, right? No, I mean, no, Charles, the math says you're going to get one. You will probably even get two because the graph has Mariners being favored to win that game. At that point in time, the math says the Mariners are more likely to win just because the odds of you scoring one or two runs here is very high. Yes. You're at yeah. least going to tie the game. Yeah. Sack fly, another sack fly, you know, yeah. it, even a ground ball. Yeah. Maybe the angels take double play and let the run score. So yeah, it, exactly. you know, who knows? So there's so much that could happen in favor of the Mariners, but somehow we put in our closer in the eighth inning with no outs. He gets a infield fly foul ball, and then he gets a strikeout into another strikeout. And I believe that third strikeout was a three pitch uh, strikeout looking, and mm-hmm. it was right on the outside of the corner. He just painted it. Stassi had the frame. Oh, yeah. it was so nice. I was so happy with that, with that, uh, you know, the way that went. And then one, two, three in the ninth, just to shut the door yeah. completely. No, yeah. no hope for the Mariners there. That was so good to see. Um, he really, <laughs> that trade, Noe Ramirez for Razali Iglesias. And then we get Noe back anyways. I think we already cut him again. But, <laughs> Which but is it, sad to say. But it's yes. crazy that we got him for pretty much free. We got him for pretty much free. free, It's just for the one year, so it's not like he's going to be a piece going. I would love to resign him. Yeah, please do. That'd be a good piece to resign. I think I saw a a tweet of someone with a blank check. Yeah, (laughs) just whatever whatever you want. At Rizal Iglesias, we'll give you whatever you want. Please stay. That would be awesome if we could keep him locked down. But at least for this year, if we can, if we can make a push second half, Travis, he's going to be a key part of that. He is having a closer who you know, the value is kind of hidden there. You know, it's hard to evaluate a closer's value in terms of war. Closers usually don't get a lot of you war. Just, you really don't but know what you, you're going to get. But you watch the game, and you see this guy. He was, you know, the clutchness there, the composure to get through the eighth and then the ninth as well. Yeah. Uh, invaluable. Completely invaluable. Exactly. Um, that, exactly. That, I guess we'll stay with that game, Travis, because Otani 
tell me about his stat line. I know he had a 10K no walk outing, and that's that is right. something that's just that's incredible. Right. And and looking at Otani, the first couple starts, I know we, I was a little bit nitpicky, and I was kind of saying, you know, he's giving up, a, you know, he's he's having a good ERA, but he's walking a ton of guys. I think in one start he had like six or eight walks. And right. it was almost like every more walks, more walks than hits guy. for sure. And it was a big problem, even in spring training too. A lot of walks, man. This past uh, start he had a couple of days ago. I mean, he was insane. I mean, no walks, ten strikeouts Friday night, and then of course Iglesias comes out with a big six out save, and then last night first at bat takes it out over center field against his uh, Japanese uh, friend and actually I think teammate Kokuchi back when they played in Japan, which is always really funny to see when you got guys that, you know, came from the same origins and area. And then of course, you know, he's just competing and he's just, and that, yeah. And, and maybe there's, there's probably a bit of a, you know, gamesmanship there. I'm sure exactly. Otani says this, this was, this was my, my, my homie. And I need to kind of show him that. Exactly. You know, and now, like and a lefty lefty matchup, which is pretty interesting too. Yeah. Now we're in the AOS and I need to win this for the angel. So yeah, he went, he went deep there. Um, but again, it's just, it's, it's just continuing the just impressiveness from Shohei Otani. And I mean, if, if with what he's doing now, we're, we knew he could strike out everyone, but with not allowing any walks, and then of course the ERA just continuing to go down and down and down. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a Guerrero Jr. And it's a uh, it's an Otani yeah. race right now. Yeah, for the MVP for sure. No doubt about that. And I guess, Travis, what I will add is that the Angels, they started hot. They had a really big cold streak. And then Mike Trout went out, which seemed like yes. really bad. But one thing I did note that right when Mike Trout went out is that I knew that we had one of the hardest schedules. I think it was like the fourth hardest strength of schedule. Yes. Up to yeah. that up to that point when Trout got injured. Playing Tampa, and then at, the Dodgers, right? Houston, Dodgers, I Houston, mean, A's. Boston, it was crazy. Indians, then, it was insane. And then so uh, White Sox to start off the, se- the season, of course. Yes. And then so uh, I knew that once Trout went out, I really obviously we we're going to miss him. But I knew the strength of schedule lightened up a bit. Um. Just the way things go, seasons, you know, there's hard months, there's easy months. And recently, the last 12 games, Angels, Angels have won eight of the last 12. And that's a, that's a big step. That's yeah. something we probably didn't see coming uh, a month ago, based exactly. on the way our season was looking. So exactly. being eight of your last 12, I believe right now we're, you know, not counting today's game, which is still in progress, I believe. We are 27 and 31. We are, a, you know, we are one hot week away from being a 500 team, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if we can be at 500 at the all-star break in july that's all we need i think if we can just get Easily. mike trout back to a 500 team that is beyond expectations i know we can do it based on some of the teams that we mm-hmm. got coming up on our schedule but uh yeah obviously we gotta take care of business tonight hopefully we can get this comeback going and especially coming up this week uh home against kansas city royals you know they're fading out and then we go to arizona one of the you know slumpiest just disappointments right now in major league baseball so kansas city and arizona six games where you almost look like if we can come out with four most likely if we can come out with five out of six wins from those games well, that'd be so that massive. would be that'd be awesome and then of course we go to oakland and you know what it's a hard series but i always like when we can play oakland because hey if we somehow were to pull a sweep or pull a series win that only helps us with it's the division swing, it swings us in a big way exactly and then of course after that we come back home for detroit and detroit is not a very impressive team as well so you look at the next two weeks and the Angels season, you know, I, I don't want to say it could be turned around, but it could be it could be a very interesting look at the Angels in two weeks. Maybe our power rankings are a lot different. And then, of course, we're home for the Giants. We have a couple of off days in late June, and then we start a very tough road uh, series, three in Tampa, four in New York uh, against the Yankees. And so that, of course, will be yeah, a good test. It, it, it's it's going to be a big deal to get out in front of this and to try to build up a get up to a winning record before we get to New York and before we get to Tampa, 
that way we can kind of get into the all-star uh time uh already kind of in a good spot where we want to be for trout to come back really hope he can be back right after the all-star break that'd be perfect um i think i think we're, in, we're not a bad spot obviously no. we wish we were a little bit better off right now but i think the offense is clicking in a good way upton has had a good last few weeks walsh uh is not as red hot as he started but he's proving that he can be a consistent power bat even hitting contact as well yes uh i would love to see him at the all-star game Oh, I really hope. I mean, so, I, I know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the elite first baseman, but Walsh is. I mean, he, he he's right there with Olsen and a couple other guys in the in the in the AL. Yeah, I, I think it's like Olsen, Guerrero, and Walsh are like the clear like right behind Guerrero as like AL these, West. These guys are making their arguments for sure. Couldn't agree more. And then, uh, yeah, I, I honestly just think that uh, the team is uh, clicking in a big way. Otani is continuing his MVP, and Travis, a big deal. We've talked about the Angels catching situation uh, previously in the podcast. We have. Uh, Max Stassi back off the off the injured list. He's spent so much time on the IL. I'll tell you firsthand. I drafted him in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I had to cut him for a while just because he was taking up a spot because he wasn't playing. Yeah, he, he yeah. was he was on the IL for so long, and then he came back and he got a concussion. He had to go back on the IL again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, 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 you know, having him back not only as he is he a better bat than Suzuki, his defense, his framing, it just it's just well renowned at this point. I think everyone kind of knows Stassi is a sneaky good framer. Yes, behind the plate, I just feel like. I really trust him to uh, kind of control the starting lineup, or sorry, the, the starting rotations that we bring out there every day. I just trust him behind the plate. So um, having him back, I think, is actually a really big deal. Iglesias now is back, I believe. Uh, talking about Jose Iglesias yes. is now back in the lineup. Missing him obviously hurts a bit. Uh, his bat in the lineup, we had to we had to deal with some Jose Rojas there and some some <laughs> Phil Gosselin, which Phil Gosselin has his moments, of course, but yeah. uh, having a, a more consistent uh, presence is always good. And, and a consistent, you know, hitting hitting from Ward and Ligaris um, in the outfield, taking over for Trout. And then, of course, one of those guys playing right field with uh, Fowler, of course, going down for the rest of the year yeah. early on the season. But Ligaris and Ward have been just very nice, um, These you guys? know, platoon guys being, being you know, just being put out there. And then, of course, Upton playing left field being a, actually, you know, Upton, I think, is is not 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 very much approaching but i think he is hit his 13th home run today he's approaching up there he's getting yeah. up there he's been hot the last 10 games so we'll see where that goes too as well um but yeah i mean no, ward and yeah. Lagares, i i really have liked the way they've been playing the ball baseball the last couple of weeks right totally totally agree you know their defense has been pretty solid out there in the outfield but then their bats have been i guess more than expected we kind of thought they'd be bench bats uh and you know with these injuries to fowler to trout They've needed to be starters, and they've done a good job, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. And you know, stepped up in the big moments. Uh, they're just, they're just good quality contributors right now. So they are. Uh, the Angels, I think, are you know not in a bad spot, and hopefully we can kind of squeeze out this win today. It'd be a big series win versus the Mariners, and then like we said, a weaker schedule upcoming. I think we have a good chance to do well. Uh, let's hope Otani stays hot. And uh, yeah, is there anything else, Travis? You want to cover? I guess nothing else. Yeah, just looking forward to uh, the next next two weeks to see where we're at. And of course, we'll we'll cover guys with, with you guys. You know, as we go on the next couple of weeks. But hopefully, in two weeks, we can be we can be talking about different power rankings for me and Alex. Hopefully, Angels are sneaking <laughs> into the conversation. But yeah, I guess our fingers are crossed there. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. I think that's about gonna do it for this episode. I will have some fresh stuff for you uh, next week. So thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you, your support every week, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>